The following sermon audio is from Love City Church, Cincinnati. More audio and information about Love City Church can be found at www.mylovecitychurch.org. If you would, please turn with me to the book of Luke, chapter 1, and we're going to start in verse 26. If you don't have a Bible with you, we will have the verses on the screens, and if you don't own a Bible, please let us know, because we'd really like to give you one with no strings attached, okay? Here's what we're doing tonight, Luke 1.26. We're continuing in our Advent series, it's called Joy of Every Longing Heart, and what we're doing is we're looking at how the birth of Jesus brings hope-filled and coherent answers to the four big questions that humanity consistently grapples with. These questions are origin, or where do we come from, meaning, why are we here, morality, what should we do or not do, and destiny, where are we headed? And a lack of understanding or direction as it pertains to these big questions often leads to despair and a sense of hopelessness. And these feelings arise for many folks, particularly around the holiday season, and this can be for various reasons. And so we just want you to know, Genuinely, if, if this is a tough time of year for you, we want you to know a couple things. One, we are praying for you, and we are asking the Lord to replace your sadness with joy and to use this time right here of singing and, and soaking in his word and surrendering to him yet again at his communion table to bless you and to refresh your soul. And I'm asking all of you as well to join the team of leaders here in praying for those that uh, for this time of year, it's, it's difficult. Um, And we don't need to know why, it's just the reality that sometimes it is. But we know that Jesus can bring an answer to that and help. Amen. So last week, just to catch you up, it was our first Advent sermon. Uh, We talked about how the birth of Jesus increases our confidence in where we came from. We've come from God, he is our maker, and that has the same rippling effect as a stone being thrown into a calm pond. Those ripples They just spread and touch everything in our lives. Now, the fact that we come from God informs us how we understand well the other big three questions we're talking about. And so the next one that we're going to be looking at tonight is meaning or purpose. Basically, why are we here? Okay, so we're going to read Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 38, and we'll see how Mary's experience with the news about Jesus coming can help us understand our own meaning and purpose in this life. Okay? Luke 1, 26, here we go. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph, of the descendants of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And coming in, he said to her, Greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was very perplexed at this statement and kept pondering what kind of salutation this was. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I am a virgin? The angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And for that reason, the holy child shall be called the Son of God. And behold, even your relative Elizabeth has also conceived a son in her old age. And she who was called barren is now in her sixth month. For nothing will be impossible with God. 
And Mary said, Behold, the bondslave of the Lord. May it be done to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Praise God for his word. Amen. So our first point tonight, it's very plain, is that you have a purpose. Now, how do we see this? Okay. We have Mary here, who is a young, engaged virgin, being told by the angel Gabriel that she's going to give birth to the Son of God. Okay? Can you imagine? Can you imagine? Try for just a second to connect with how overwhelming this news must have been for her. Now, as we've thought about how overwhelming that is, let's read again her response in verse 38. Behold the bondslave of the Lord. May it be done to me according to your word. The news of the forthcoming birth of Jesus, it brought Mary's purpose into crystal clear view. The meaning of her life was now inextricably intertwined with the life and purpose of Jesus. And friend, here's what we need to know. This is the reality for every single person who drinks from the ever-flowing well of God's grace and who feasts upon the ever-satisfying bread of life. When you hear the good news of the gospel, believing that you're an imperfect sinner who can't save yourself, understanding that your sin rightly separated you from our perfect and holy God, confessing your need to be saved and reconciled, surrendering to the lordship of Christ, and asking him to save you according to his great and merciful promise, your true meaning and purpose should come into view like Mary's did. But you may say, yeah, but Mary had an angel come to her and tell her specifically what her purpose was. I haven't had that. Dear friend, you have much better than an angel. You have the fullness of the word of God. Not one experience with an angel, but continual unrestricted access to the very living scriptures. God's great gift to us and a guide for all who seek to know the meaning of their time sojourning on this earth. The scriptures have laid out for us and for all those who belong to him what our purpose is. I'm going to give you just a couple examples of this. The first is, the first is in Ephesians 2 starting in verse 8. It says, For by grace you have been saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not as a result of works so that no one May boast, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. First Peter 2:9. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession. Why? Why have you gone from not a people to a people? Why are you now this holy priesthood? What, what does he say? So that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you from darkness and brought you into his marvelous light. Woo! You want to talk about a purpose? There's one. Amen. We have to stop believing the lies of the enemy and walking around saying, I don't know what my purpose is or I don't know the meaning of my life. Friend, if you belong to Jesus, his word is full of answers to that question. 
And the fact that Jesus came, born of a virgin in the town of Bethlehem from the lineage of King David, just as was promised, is part of why we can trust that what he says is true. It's not like this birth in Bethlehem just popped out of nowhere. This was foretold for hundreds of years in painstaking detail. And it came to be just as God said. We can trust him, friends. His words never returned void. Never failed once. It's not going to start now. You're not the special case that's going to cause God's word to be untrue. You're not the one, friend. Here's my question to you as we ponder these things. If you could literally just serve Jesus, like be his personal assistant, and the only pay for eternity was to be in his presence, would you take the job? I'm serious. Imagine yourself being the person who stands next to his throne, and whatever he needs you to do, you're the one that does it, right? Take, take this memo over to Michael the Archangel, or you know, get me a latte with two shots of espresso. And I just want to say this, Jesus would definitely say espresso because he's God and knows how words are supposed to be said. So he would not say espresso. he would say go get me a latte with two shots of espresso, okay? I love all of you in here, but we got to get that right, okay? We represent the king of glory, okay? Amen. amen. Say amen to that, go ahead, it's all right. Hallelujah, Lord help us. But the question is, would you take the job? If that... If you saw that listing, the only pay is to be in his presence, but you're going to be Jesus' personal assistant, would you take the job? Friends, let me help you with something. This is the job of every follower of Jesus. Your purpose is to serve Jesus, and this supreme purpose presides over and shapes all other meaning in our life, our work, our family, all that we do. This is the master purpose that shapes all the rest. But thankfully, Jesus doesn't need to send memos and he hasn't called us to bring him lattes for eternity. If we were to stand next to his throne, waiting for his next command, they would sound like this. Go love this person. Go love that person. Go encourage that person. Go take that person a latte. Go share the gospel with that person. Look, look, they're, they're ready. They're ready to hear it. The question still stands, friend. Would you take the job? Because he's hiring. He said, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. There's an open job listing. Will you step into it by his strength and grace? And some of you right in this moment, you, you may have the nerve to be frustrated right now because what you really want is what Mary got. You want a specific word from God telling you what to do. Well, here's the thing. If you are not willing to obey the general job description that Jesus has laid out for all his people, why do you think he would be able to get more specific with you? Mary's answer to you're going to give birth to the Savior of the world was, I'm the Lord's servant. May it be done to me. Do you think that kind of answer to that kind of information comes naturally? No, friends. Mary had obviously already sought to live her life as a servant of the Lord. 
This is already the way she was thinking about her ultimate purpose, which is part of why God was able to entrust her with the specifics of this glorious task he had for her. Do you understand the point I'm making? When you get hit with Gabriel the archangel showing up and saying, hey, I got some info for you, and it's the info that he brought, and her instant reaction is, I'm the Lord's servant. Let it be done to me. That, that wasn't, that's not the life of someone lived. It's just doing their own thing about their own ambitions, goals, dreams, and whatever. And then the angel shows up. And now all of a sudden, to this life-altering information, to, to the, the uh, engaged virgin, <laughs> no less, that you're going to bear God's son. The only way you have that kind of answer is that you're already walking that path. We also need to be ready for the reality that as we walk out, and and I mean for however long it takes, the general purpose for all believers of loving God, loving people, and making disciples. Now, in in so doing, let me me say this. In, In walking out that general command and that general invitation from God, in so doing, that is the primary way that we do proclaim the excellencies of the one who called us out of darkness and into his marvelous light. The, the Bible is clear over and over again that, that the words of our mouth, we could do a bunch of proclaiming of his excellencies with our mouth, but if we aren't willing to follow it with our feet and our hands and actually obey his word and do what he's called us to, then all of that lip service is in vain. And so by actually walking out this love walk he's called us to, this making of disciples, this pointing people to the great hope that is found in Christ. It is in that obedience is part of how we reflect this glorious light and, and, the, the, and, and we praise and lift up the excellency of his name. Our obedience, friends, is the primary way we do this. But what I'm saying, the whole point, I got distracted. As we obey the big picture, things that we've been given... We should not be surprised when the specifics don't line up with our plans and dreams. Do you think when Mary became betrothed to Joseph and started to think about a wedding and what their life together would be, that her hopes and dreams included all the scandal and scorn that she would face by being the virgin vessel by which the Messiah would be born into the world? That was probably not on her radar. That was probably not her plan. And this leads us to our next point. Your purpose may not line up with your plan. There was a seismic level shift in Mary's life trajectory as the angel told her she would give birth to the long-awaited Savior King. Now, Matthew's account, it keys in more on Joseph's experience, which we don't see here in Luke, but just try to imagine how disorienting of a message this was for both of them. And here's the thing, guys. Mary and Joseph are not the only biblical example of God's purpose interrupting human plans. As a matter of fact, it seems to be quite normal. A little bit of conjecture here, but I feel pretty safe. I don't think Noah planned on building a giant ark before God said, came and said, that's what we're going to do. Abraham probably thought he would live out his days with his family in Ur of the Chaldees. Joseph surely didn't plan on being betrayed by his brothers, falsely accused, and eventually running all of Egypt. 
Moses likely never imagined he would go up against Pharaoh and lead God's people out of slavery. David probably thought he would work on his daddy's farm all his life. Peter, James, John, Matthew, and all the rest, it didn't seem like they were looking to leave their trades and businesses to follow Jesus around preaching the kingdom of God. I think it's fair to say Paul had no intention of planting churches throughout Asia and writing two-thirds of the New Testament before Jesus got a hold of him. We see this idea stated for us plainly in Proverbs. This is 16.9. It says, The mind of man plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. It has been often said that it costs nothing to become a follower of Jesus, but everything to live as one. And, And I will grant you that this is not a thoroughly vetted theological statement, but it does convey some truth about the reality of surrender and sacrifice being an essential part of Christianity. And so what does this mean practically? Well, here's what it means. If your hopes and dreams and plans and resources and ambitions never have to be placed on the altar and sacrificed in order to fulfill the plan and purpose God has for your life, then it is almost a certainty that you are not walking in the divine purpose that God charted for you before the foundations of the earth were laid. I know that's sobering, but you could say amen, right? That's a good place right there. Amen. We should expect that our dreams and plans, allocation of resources, our ambitions, will often be sacrificed upon the altar of obedience. And though this is a sobering and challenging thought that we should all take very seriously, may I remind you of what the other side of this coin is. If God's word is true, and it is, then none of us ever have to fall prey to the lie that there is no meaning to our life. Even when the specifics are unclear, we know that we have the ultimate purpose that Jesus has set us free to accomplish. That purpose is walking in love and pointing people towards Jesus. And in doing so, we're proclaiming his excellencies to the world which can keep us, just being involved in that basic process can keep us from being pulled again into the dark dungeon of feeling like we have no purpose. You do have a purpose, friend. God has made it plain. Now, I know that some of you here, you understand clearly what I'm saying. You understand what I'm saying about the the never-changing eternal meaning of our journey here on earth. Some of you, you can connect the dots because of experience. How obeying God in the simple commands he's given us and participating in the redemptive mission he's set for us, that this is our greatest purpose. And and, and you understand, you get, you, you see how this should shape all of the endeavors in our lives. I know some of you see it. But I know for some of you that it's not so easy to see just yet. And for some of you, you you still feel like you're fumbling about, unsure of your purpose, and yearning for clarity. I want you to know that this is not evidence that God is not for you, or that he does not see you, or that he does not love you. 
There's a famous line from Tolkien's books, The Lord of the Ring. It's in a section sometimes known by the nerds that know these things called the Song of Aragorn. Uh, but the line is pretty famous. You, you likely have heard it. And one of the lines says, not all who wander are lost. And this leads us to our last point. With God, wandering is never wasted. When God miraculously freed his people from slavery in Egypt, he took them on a very roundabout route. Okay, if you look at a map and you see the way God took them and their destination, it raises some questions. Because there was a straight line they could have took, and that would have been straight through the land of the Philistines. But there's a point next to this where God clearly says they're, they're not ready for that. If I take them into battle right now, they're going to end up running back to Egypt. And so instead of taking the direct route, they take this long way around. And at face value, that surely seemed like an unnecessary and long detour to the people that were involved. And it could even for us looking at it. And we know that the people God rescued out of Egypt, Abraham's descendants, they were confused and frustrated. And they were even given to grumbling about the discomfort of this wandering. But what we can see in hindsight, what we can see right now, they could not see in the moment. On this long wandering is where they saw the Red Sea split, teaching them that God can make a way where there is no way. During this wandering is where they were led by a cloud which shaded them from the sun by day and a pillar of fire which warmed them by night, showing them that God would take care of them in every single circumstance. During this wandering is when they ate manna from heaven and drank water from the rock, showing them that God would provide for their needs in ways they could never see coming. You see, friends, even if you feel like you're in a time of wandering and wondering, God is still at work. He is still keeping his promise to teach you and shape you and mold you into what you were really made to be. And we see this great truth that's inferred in the story of Israel's exodus out of Egypt. We see it spelled out for us in Romans chapter 8. Let me read this to you. In the same way, the Spirit also helps our weakness. For we do not know how to pray as we should, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Verse 28, And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. See, God will handle those specifics if we obey the general purpose he has for us. See, when you don't know what to do, or even how to pray, God doesn't scoff at your ignorance or look down on you with scorn. He intercedes for you, and he fills in the gaps. He is patient 
and long-suffering and kind. And he is fully committed to finishing the good work that he has started in you. Amen. Hallelujah. The key here, though, is to believe this. When it counts, when it's hard, when you're tempted to believe the opposite. The key is to trust his promises and know that even when the meaning of your life seems unsure, you are always safe to obey him in the basic things that he's called all of his people to. It's trusting by faith and knowing that it is often by walking this path of obedience that you come around the bend and you're able to see the specifics ahead. So many times people are paralyzed because they feel unsure. They're paralyzed because they, they want specifics from God. But friends, the word of God is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. God himself, he will show us just, it, it doesn't say that, you know, the word is going to tell you everything you'd ever want to know about your future. It's a lamp to your feet and a light to your path. It's going to light up enough in front of you that you can keep moving forward in confident faith and trust in God. But not so much that you would become foolish and begin to think that you don't need God or become terrified by what you see and just run back to Egypt. It's the reason God didn't take him through the Philistine land. He knows exactly what you need to know right now. And he's walking with you through it. He's with you through it. Does that matter to you? Goodness, that matters. <laughs> Changes everything. Hallelujah. If you found yourself frustrated, friends, if you found yourself wandering and wondering, please stick to those basic things, that master purpose that rules all of the rest of the meaning of our life, to love God, love people, make disciples, proclaim his excellencies. Do those things. And in walking that path of obedience, sometimes that's how you clear the corner. That's how you come to the place where now the thing you were hoping to know comes into view. Or maybe the thing you're hoping to know is never the thing you needed to know to begin with, and God shows you something else. He says, here, son, here, daughter. I know you thought you knew, but here's what you really needed. The birth, life, death, and resurrection of Christ, it did not just define Mary's purpose, but it is the primary force shaping the meaning of every person's life who comes to him by faith and who receives the free gift of salvation and grace that he offers. It is also the eternal purpose that all who refuse to come to him are missing. It's the reason that they feel continually the agonizing gnaw in their heart that something essential is missing. May God move us to compassion for that. For those of us that were old enough when we came to Christ to remember what it was like before, may we let our hearts be broken again. May we care deeply for the fact that there are lost people in this world. Jesus said he came to seek and save the lost. There's a plentiful harvest, dear friends, but the workers are few. Let us take the job. Let's step into that place. Well, I'm afraid because of this reason, or I'm unsure because of this reason. Oh, friend, we all have those. 
Let's set those aside. Let's give those to Jesus. There's no reason for fear. He's proven that. We can move forward in faith, trust, and boldness, and love to the glory of God. May we be a people who joyfully embrace the purpose for which we were created, declaring the excellencies of him who brought us from darkness and into his marvelous light. As we do this, may we welcome others to find their purpose and hope in Christ alone. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we come before you now in the name of Jesus. Thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the book of Luke. Thank you that he sat down to give Theophilus a a record of all that happened so that we could see how it went down when Gabriel showed up to tell Mary that she was going to give birth to the Savior of the world. Thank you that we have these precious scriptures to look to. Thank you for what we can learn from Mary's response. God, help us. Help us not to disdain your word and to wish for some angelic visitation ourselves. God, you can do whatever you want. You can visit us in dreams. You can send angels. You can do all these things. But God, let us not look past the beautiful gift of your word that you've given us, the living word of God, wherein, Lord, you have defined our purpose as your people. God, help us not to quit looking for some new answer or some new thing when we've yet to even really listen to or obey the old things, the original things, the ancient paths you've given us. Help us, Lord. God, we thank you. We thank you that we can be sure that we have a purpose. We thank you that the birth of Christ shows us that all the prophecies and all that you were doing, everything you were unfolding in the Old Testament, it was not all for nothing. It was all leading up to this crescendo, this apex of your plan of redemption to come yourself as the second person of the Trinity, born of the Virgin Mary, to come and to rescue us. God, thank you that our purpose is sure. Thank you that there is meaning in this life. God, I I just pray. I pray over every single person within the sound of my voice, God, that you would protect their minds and their hearts from this decrepit lie of meaninglessness, that you would push back from them that deception. May it never work again. God, may we cling to the truth of your word in this matter and not be duped any longer. Thank you that you have made our purpose clear. Thank you, God, that we have this master purpose that shapes all the rest of what we do. Thank you, God. When we feel like we don't know what to do, we can just obey. We can obey the command to love and the command to go and to share the good news of your gospel. We can obey the command to continually think about how it is in all the parts of our life we can obey those two commands. How can I walk in love at work? How can I walk in love at home? How do I walk in love in my neighborhood, at the gas station, and when I'm getting groceries, all those mundane things that that would tend to contribute to my sense of not having a purpose as I get caught in those ruts, God, Awaken us again to the reality that all of life is a chance to walk in the divine purpose for which you saved us, which is to be a people of love, reflecting and declaring the excellencies of your glory, O God. Thank you that you did draw us from darkness and brought us into light, but not just for our own good, so that we could join you in the beautiful mission of helping others to see. Thank you. God, I thank you that many times your purposes will mess with my plans. I thank you for that. 
I thank you, God, that you love me enough to redirect me. I thank you, God, that you love me enough to get in and mess with all the stuff I thought I had figured out and show me once again who God is. Thank you that you know better than we do. Thank you, God, that when we feel like we don't know, we can rest in the fact that you do. Thank you, Lord, that that brings such sweet peace. We love you, Lord. You've been good to us. Help us to find our identity, meaning, and purpose in the places where we should, in you, Lord, and what you've done and what you're doing, who you are. Thank you that you're not shaping us into some random thing, but you know and you've made clear that you are conforming us into your image. Thank you that you've given us a target to shoot for. Thank you, God, that we can see the great work that you're doing in our hearts and minds. Lord, I ask you to just, by your Holy Spirit, Lord, I ask you to encourage those who are here who are struggling to see your work. They're struggling to trace your hand. God, help them to trace your heart. And I ask you to show them, Lord, illumine for them how it is you are shaping and molding them and changing them. Help them to see the places that they've grown. I ask you to help the ones that are prone to insecurity and to self-deprecation. God, I ask you to encourage them by your spirit. Thank you for the joy that comes in walking with you. Thank you. We love you so much. I ask you to please continue this work in us as we go from here. God, we know you're working now, but we don't want to leave this here. We don't want to be hearers only of the word, but we want to be doers. We know that's what matters. Thank you, dear Master. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Love City Church, located in Cincinnati, Ohio. Feel free to make copies of this message to give to others, but please do not charge for those copies or alter the content in any way without permission. To give or find out more about Love City Church, visit www.mylovecitychurch.org.